0: Hearts are hungry. I believe we're all hungry for more of God, and I believe that's why we're all here. I asked the to give me a, get me a drink of water. Do you think she got enough for me? <laughs> <laughs> Good girl, Imelda. Um. Yes, we're starting into the book of Hebrews, and our title today is Are You Shaken But Not Stirred? Well, that was a right clicky read title, wasn't it? Shaken but not stirred. And the question I want to put out to you before we really get into this is a question that I think is very relevant to us. Has your life been shaken? Have you lost your confidence? Maybe you've become passive and uncertain about life because your confidence has been shaken. When did you last feel stirred up excited and confident about your life. You see, we do live in a world where the majority of people, let's face it, try to assert themselves and try to be confident. We, try, we see women on TV who present themselves as being very, very confident women. And yet so often you see that something happens uh, that's maybe outside of what they expected and all of a sudden it just dissolves and you actually see that the confidence that they present to the world is is very, very fickle. It's not that strong. And, uh, And lots of people are trying all kinds of ways to become confident women, women who can present themselves as knowing who they are, sure of themselves, and really it's only a veneer, it's only a superficial thing. And when you look at other women and you think, oh, look what she can do and I could never do that. You know, very often they have worked hard at getting themselves to appear to be confident, but underneath, there's not much there really. And I would love that as we go through this book of Hebrews, that we would see that we can actually step up to the mark to become true, authentic, confident women, not confident in our own ability, or our own strength, but confident in our God. Would not be amazing to be able to step up into the plans that God has for your life and to to do it with confidence not in yourself but in, in the God that's with you and in the Holy Spirit who's in you that through him you can do all things that's what we're aiming for in this season are you all up for that yes. right well the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people It was written whenever the temple was still, it hadn't been destroyed. As you know, in AD 70, the Romans came in and they destroyed the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem. But this letter was written before the temple was destroyed. So the sacrifices and all the temple worship was still going on. And this letter was written, we don't know who wrote it. Some people think it was Paul, other people think. I heard somebody saying they thought it might even have been Priscilla. Wouldn't that be amazing if it was Priscilla, like a woman, (laughs) writing a book like this? Maybe that's why her name's not in there. Wouldn't that be a thought? So, you see, this was written by someone who loved the Lord and someone who knew the Old Testament scriptures and someone who knew all about the temple worship and about all that had gone before. And they wrote to these Jewish believers because... Uh, they, the Jewish believers were beginning to wonder, uh, are we on the right path? Maybe we need to go back into, maybe we need to do a double here and, and, and continue to do the temple stuff, and uh, this, these scriptures were written to give him confidence. I had a wee quote here I wanted to read to you. It's from a guy called Warren W. 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 I think it's Warren W. W. is is the full title here's what he says, the book of Hebrews was written at a time when the ages were colliding and when everything in society seemed to be shaken. It was written to Christians who were wondering what was going on and what they could do about it. Does that ring a bell about today's society? At that particular time the stability of the old was passing away and their faith was wavering. That's the background to this book. And I think this is a good book for us to study because I think that's what's happening in our society today. Would you agree with me? I wrote down here in your notes uh, that we're living in an age where values and beliefs are changing radically. And I think we all know that. That's very obvious. The, things, uh, the, the values of society right this moment are so different to what they were whenever I was a child. Everything is changing. Violence is rife. I remember whenever I was a wee girl and I remember hearing about somebody who'd been murdered in Tandrughey and it was the talk of the town, the talk of the country for years and years and years. Big deal. Now we think nothing. Murders, we think nothing of violence. We think we see people on television and their heads being taken off, even on the television. We see terrible things, things we would never have seen even when I was a child. So certainly things are changing. I've written here, we're going we're living in a society where the family is under attack, where mental health is breaking down, among all age groups, even our children are being affected in ways that that, that would not have been as obvious or as often as they would have been whenever I was younger. And so we ask the question to you today, what has been happening in your world recently? Would you say that in your world, a whole lot of shaking's been going on? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. I think that there's a whole lot of us here today And stuff has gone on and you feel that things have been shaken up in your life. And it might be any number of things, but I believe that God wants to meet with you today and I believe he wants to do something in your life that's going to change. Something that's going to change you. Something that's going to to bring you into this confidence, into this place that God wants you into. Key words in Hebrews are the words greater or better. And the little phrase, let us. Now, the words greater or better are all about Jesus, how he's so much greater than the prophets, he's so much greater than the angels, he's greater than Moses, he's greater than the Old Testament priesthood, and he's he's greater than the Old Testament sacrifices, he's greater than the Old Testament covenant. Jesus is greater and better than, gives us a better hope and gives us better promises, and so many other things. He is greater and better at all these things. And we have, we're just going to believe we're going to have a feast as we look at some of these things. And the little phrase let us the words he's greater or better in all these areas meant to stabilize you and settle you god wants you to be settled he wants you 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 can't have confidence if you're all up in the air and all over the place you have to be stabilized and and, and established and strengthened before you can uh, really come into true confidence and first peter 5 and 10 says this may the god of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by christ jesus after you have suffered a little while we are going to suffer there will be suffering we'll live in a world of suffering it says after you have suffered a little while may he perfect or mature you bring you to maturity establish strengthen and settle you and I love that word settle because it has the idea you know when a child is crying and you put the child up on your arms and you you pat it on you you shush it on you You walk around until you get the child settled. That's the idea. God wants to settle you. He wants to strengthen you. And he wants to establish you to become mature in knowing what you believe and knowing what God says so that you'll be able to to be confident. And as well as settling and strengthening you, he wants to encourage you. He wants to stir you up. And these words, let us, as we go through this, this book, we're going to see, we're going to be encouraged. We're going to say, come on, let's do this. Let us go for this, because God wants to do something. I believe in each one of us, our hearts, as well as a group of women individually, I believe he wants to bring us into a new place of confidence. So I'm going to read uh, Hebrews now. I think we'll just read the whole chapter right through, and then we will just get started. So let's do it. It says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels. Do you see that? That word better or greater. your Your translation might say greater. Having become so much better than the angels, as he, that's Jesus, has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And if the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. You, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed, and you are the same, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not, that's the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those? Who will inherit salvation. That's you. That's you that they've been sent forth to minister to. So we're going to look, and we're going to just take it just in verses, we're going to look at the first couple of verses, first of all, and it's, we start off with God. This book starts off with God. Couldn't start off with a better person. Couldn't speak out a better word than the name of our God and it says God in various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Now we just want to stop there for a moment because when we were in Israel some of you would probably know we, we took a group to Israel this last two summers and this year we would not think of us. Caesarea Philippi or somewhere, and our guides are an amazing man. He's just his name is Halvor Ronning. He's just an amazing, he's a doctor Halvor Ronning. And he, he knows the Hebrew and he, he loves the word of God. And he's, he just had had his um he just had his eightieth, wasn't it? Eightieth birthday, a couple of days before we arrived. And I tell you, we can hardly keep up with this man. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. And he we were sitting and he was he started to talk a little bit just where we were, and he said something that really struck my heart. He said, you know, we're not living in a world of silence. We're not living in a world of silence. We're living in a world where God speaks. Mm -hmm. And, And we need to know this, because the way people talk, you would think that God isn't speaking. God has always spoken, and God has always had something to say, and he still has something to say. And, you know, it says here that, that in times past in various ways and in various times that God spoke to the fathers, that's all of the Old Testament people by the prophets he also had spoken to us by the prophets and you see I think this is a word for us today because as women we love, we love to communicate and we love to, to be communicated with and God to communicate with. that's the first point we're, we're con- wanting to be confident women, we're on the seas today I hope you remember this because confidence is the first C, and the second one is the word communicator. Because God is a communicator, and I've written in your notes that as women, particularly us women, do you not think so? We, we somehow are. Do you not think we're? I know there's some men that can, are really good chatters, but do you not think that we can chat better than the men? <laughs> I. Some of them are really, really good at expressing <coughs> themselves. Like, I know some men, they're amazing. They could be a woman. <laughs> but you don't think we can really express ourselves. If we get down to the nitty gritty, do you not think so? And you see, well, we as women, our hearts have been created to communicate. And we get frustrated when the men are having time and they're away about something else, and we want to talk about it. And God has created us like this, and, and he wants us to know that he loves us. No wonder the women of the, of the Bible, when Jesus came to this earth, no wonder the women kind of left the housework and just followed him. No wonder that there was women there who actually gave out of their own substance to finance what he was doing. No wonder the women were hanging on every word because they loved him, because they knew that Jesus got them. He, they knew that when Jesus spoke, he spoke right into that, part in there that no man could ever reach, that no man could ever understand, that Jesus could speak right in. That's the kind of a God we have. Isn't that amazing? That's the God who longs to communicate with us. He wants to speak this morning, I believe, to the deepest part of your soul, into the deepest part of who you are. And you see, he speaks to us now mostly through his word. But he speaks to us in all kinds of ways. The Bible says that he even speaks to us through creation. If you read Romans 1 verse 20, it says that that God actually talks even through his creation. He's a God who communicates in all kinds of ways, at all kinds of times. And if our antennas are out there and we're looking and wanting to hear him, he will speak to us. He will come and he will speak to us through his word. Way back in the Old Testament, he mainly spoke through the prophets. The word uh, prophet in the Hebrew is the word, word nab, nabi. I think that's how you pronounce it. And if that Y shouldn't be on that. It should be N-A-B-I. I don't know where I got the Y from, but sure, you can take a wee stroke, stroke it off. And it means a spokesman. And the word in the Greek is. I think this is pronounced profess, I think that's how you pronounce it. And it means telling forth or teaching or being an interpreter of the oracles of God. You see, throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well, there were many prophets. But the Old Testament spoke about and pointed us towards a Messiah, Jesus. And I mean, we couldn't, we haven't time to go into it. My goodness, if you started going through from the beginning, right through the different prophets, you'd see that there were prophets who actually prophesied even the very place in Bethlehem that Jesus would be born. There were prophets that gave us lots of bits and pieces of information that he would come from a virgin. There was lots of little stuff that was coming from all these different prophets as the Holy Spirit came upon these men and spoke to them. They were hearing what God was saying. And uh, I thought it was quite interesting that even in the seventh generation from Adam, that there was a, that there was a prophecy. Isn't that? A, I think we don't actually realise that very often. A man called Enoch, who was only the seventh generation from from Adam. Did you know that he prophesied? And it tells us the prophecy in Jude. I'm going to look it up here. I'm going to read it to you. Over here. I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation because we are told that he he gave a prophecy seven generations after Adam. It says in Enoch, in sorry, in Jude, verse fourteen, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people, and he said, "Listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones." to execute judgment on the people of the world. And he will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. So way, way back, just seven family trees down, family, seven generations from Adam, Enoch prophesied about end times that Jesus was going to come back with, what does it say, with 10,000, is it? With countless thousands of his holy ones. That was prophesied way back in the book of Genesis about end times. And that's still going to come to pass. Jesus is still going to come back and he's going to judge the earth. He's going to set up his kingdom. And we know that. I thought it was interesting that he referred to grumblers and complainers. There'll be none of those in here, won't we? <laughs> you know, one of the things that I love about EGAL, and about we've been coming, this is now our 11th year, and one of the things that I love about this is that this is a place where we can learn that grumbling doesn't actually help us. <coughs> we can learn that, that self seeking, pushing to have our own way, looking after our own needs, getting in there first, that actually. That isn't doesn't make us happy. God has created us to be women who don't grumble, who give thanks in all things, who prefer each other. And I love to see it when you ladies come in here and you're, you first. I love to see it when you're saying, thank you, I appreciate that. I love those things because that's God. God wants, and that's what gives us joy. Grumbling and complaining does not make us happy. It actually takes away our joy and God wants us to become women. And this is not just about us learning and becoming strong. It is about being strong and about getting confident, but it's also about reproducing the fruits of the Spirit, which is the love and the joy and the peace and the gentleness and the kindness to each other and the respect for each other. I just love it whenever whenever we get up here and and Marion steps up and she starts to speak and you all just stop because you respect her. I love to see that happening. I love to see it being worked out in practical ways. Because if this isn't worked out in the small things, it's no good in the big things. Would you agree with me? And I think as women, we need to be more aware that God's interested in the little things, the fruits of the spirit and the gentleness and the kindness and the thoughtfulness in preferring one another and blessing one another. And so we see that God has got a a word to say, even even prophesying about end times in the very first couple of chapters in the book of genesis and then of course i I think lots of people don't realize that god called uh, he called abraham a prophet did you realize that it tells us uh, in in genesis 20 verse first first seven verses we'll not take time to read it but you'll see that that in those verses that the lord told this heathen king to ask his prophet abraham to pray for him and uh, you see Jesus said that Abraham rejoiced to see his day for he saw it and was glad. What does that mean? It means that Jesus said that way back in the book of Genesis, that Abraham, Abraham got a glimpse that God was going to send his son and he was going to die on the cross. I actually think that God showed him that through the experience. That, remember God asked Abraham to offer up his son Isaac. And I think when he went through that I really believe this that when Abraham went through that experience of being willing to offer his own son, I believe that God revealed to him that this was God's plan. That God wasn't going to ask Abraham to go through with that. That God was not going to allow Abraham to offer up his son, but that God was going to offer up his own son. I believe that Abraham, that God showed him that through that experience. I wonder, are you going through stuff where you're being challenged about about surrendering everything to God? I wonder, are you going through a hard time where you say, God, you're asking me to give up so much. I I wonder, are you going through a tough time? If you are, you can learn something. God wants to show you something out of that tough time. I believe he showed Abraham something beautiful and wonderful and something that other people didn't know. Jesus said, Abraham... Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Abraham was given special insight. You see, we can go through tough times, and do you know what, we can miss out on the blessing because we just grumble and we get on and we, we don't. Do you know what, it's good to start giving God thanks for the tough times, because when you give him thanks for the tough times, you release something where he can actually give you a revelation and he can make that tough time, he can turn it around into be a time of blessing. Where you will learn a whole lot and where you will grow and learn to love him more and so we see that that there were these are just a couple of real random ones and these aren't even recognized enoch and abraham wouldn't be recognized as the main prophets Look, go through the books and see i mean isaiah jeremiah ezekiel all of those minor prophets as well amos all of those books are were all full of prophecy and, and i mean isaiah's prophecy is amazing talking about the sufferings of christ and 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 jeremiah as well and you know god spoke in the old testament and he spoke he's still speaking today i really believe that god wants us to hear him in a new way after this morning are you up for that that god would open our ears that we would just ask him to come and speak to us you see in the in the new testament we know that that john the baptist do you remember he, he also prophesied, he saw Jesus and he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God's been communicating. When John saw him and the prophetic urge just came up through him and spoke out of his mouth, he made a statement, this is the Lamb of God, the one that the prophets have spoken about all over the Old Testament, and John said, here he is. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the the sin of the world. He was prophesying he was telling the world he was telling the world that Jesus was going to fulfil the plan that God had from the beginning to become the Lamb of God the one who would be the sacrifice for our sin isn't it amazing and we we sung this morning about about the wonder of this merciful saviour who wants us to know that, that who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the sons of men over the weekend we had a conference up in Permana, and rescue was a big word in it. We believe that God has, has Jesus died on the cross. God sent His Son to rescue us from our sins. He died and paid the price. He became the Lamb of God who bore your sin in His own body on the cross, so that you wouldn't have to be punished. And if there's anybody in here and you don't know Jesus as your Saviour, I am praying and believing that you might realise. That Jesus died for you. If there'd never been anybody else, He died for you. He took your place. He took your sins so that you could be free, and that you could come right into the family, into His arms, and and fulfil all the plans that He has for you. Yes, God has been communicating about His love and His plans for us from the beginning, and God wants us to hear Him. You see, Jesus said, "My sheep." Hear my voice. And when we trust Jesus as our Savior, we become into the family, or we're often referred to as sheep. Now I was uh, after the conference on Saturday, we went, uh, we sat over in Fermanagh, and myself and a few friends went to Fermanagh Christian Fellowship on Sunday morning. And there was a man there speaking, a man called Michael Williams, who heads up the Storus Foundation. And Michael just gave the most anointed word. We were so blessed. But he, he he spoke about about God speaking to us, and he spoke about how God speaks to us as sheep. And one of the illustrations he gave was it uh, was how when sheep are in the pen or when they're distance away, sheep will recognise the voice of the shepherd. Now, whenever we were in Israel in the summer, we had a lady with us who uh, she's a teacher actually. But she, she says that first and foremost her first love is she's a sheep farmer. She loves sheep. She loves to work with the sheep. And I went up to her house after we came back and saw the land and all. And her first love is is caring for sheep. And she says it's a truth. It's a true fact that sheep can identify different voices. That when, when, whenever you're working with sheep, that if you call them, they will not come to somebody else. They'll know your voice and they'll only come to you. And I thought that was quite interesting. And Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, hear my voice and know my voice. And Michael said on Sunday morning that sometimes in our experience, because God wants you and me to be women who hear Him, sometimes. We hear him and we, we're, we respond to the voice and we just know that that's the voice of the Lord. It might be a word in scripture or it might just be a sense that he's saying something and we know it's in agreement with God's word and we hear his voice and we know his voice and we know it's the right thing to do. We mightn't have a scripture or verse to say, go and make that sister a cup of tea or go and care for her. It wouldn't be like that. But there might be a kind act or something that you just know that God's calling you to do that. And and you hear his voice and you, you step into obedience into all that God has for you. There's something about hearing God's voice that stirs us up and encourages us. And brings us into the plans that God has for us. But he would also say that, that there's other ways that we hear God because sometimes he said when we're going through really difficult times, and and it's like we are just don't know what to do, and it's a really tough time. It's almost like God takes. Now he referred to a man, Michael, if you probably know comes up from the North Coast, and he said he knew this farmer man, and he he loved he loved a herd of bulls, and every spring he'd bring out this big bull and he would parade it round the ring. You know the way you hold a bull by the nose with a ring. And he would, he would walk round, step by step, and he said, sometimes when we're going through tough times, and we, it's dangerous, and you know, if the bull gets off, that could be very dangerous, so we've got to be very careful. The farmer has to be careful. But he said, sometimes when you and I are going through difficult times, it's almost like God takes us by the hand, not by the nose, but <laughs> takes us and steps with us, step by step, take us through and and often that happens when it's a very perilous place and where you could just you wouldn't want to step too much to the right or to the left where god knows it's, it's just he just needs to take you step by step i wonder is that the way you're hearing god today where maybe you don't hear him like a sheep from a distance and you're, you're thinking, Lord, I just need you to help me. I'm in a situation, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to get through this situation. Please take me by the hand and step by step lead me through this. Let me hear you, that everything's okay. I'm going to go step by step, little step, little step. You're going to take me through. And I think that's amazing. But then Michael went on to say that sometimes God doesn't lead us like sheep and sometimes, well, he does always lead us like sheep, but sometimes we experience it you know, not just only like, like a sheep or a bull, but he says, "Did you ever see how you have to uh, direct pigs?" And he talked about how with pigs you have to you have to cut them off. A pig will not let it will not respond to your voice. It will not let you lead it around. But you 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 cut it off. You put you make sure there's no other way to go. Only one way. And sometimes God does that with us because sometimes. He just cuts down everything. And you know, I often pray like that and say, God, if this is not right, cut it off. Don't let me go through that door. Cut it off in every direction. And, and we'll just just cut off and open up so that I am steered through to go in the right direction. And maybe you're in a situation right now and you don't know what to do. Well, Just ask God, cut me off, cut me off and open. Cut off the doors that are wrong and open the doors that are right and, and, and he'll take us through. And of course, the Bible also talks about that we're not to be like a horse, that it uh, has to be pulled in. Isn't it amazing? All these animals. We're not. To, "Don't be like the horse of a mule." I mean, you know, a mule is very stubborn. So don't be too stubborn. Don't be like that. Don't be like like you know. We as children, we used to ride a bit in ponies, a half time bareback and everything like just, you know. And and you had to sometimes, if the pony was frisky, you had to pull the rein in really, really tight. And God says, "Don't be, don't be like a, a, a horse or a mule that I have to pull the reins back to keep you back." You know, God wants us to 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 be ones that we can that He can guide gently, just a little, just a little touch, a little nods in the reins, that that we be able to go as He directs us. So God wants you to hear Him, and He knows whenever you're whenever you don't understand, He knows. Uh, whenever you're not hearing properly and if, you, if, you're, if you're confused or whatever he knows that the enemy will try to speak lies he knows that the enemy will try to get you to believe lies and, and you know the enemy has a voice as well And the enemy's voice will continually be babbling in your ear to tell you all kinds of lies about yourself and about other people and about situations the enemy does not want to do you good he wants to he wants to harm you he wants to stop you growing in the lord and god wants us to be women who hear him jesus said that his sheep would know and hear his voice and god is longing for us to respond to his voice He's longing for us to hear him so that we can speak out what he says. I'll tell you what, ladies, there's something powerful. Marian was talking about the war room, about getting in and praying to God and having that time of solitude with God. And there's something about hearing God's voice, you know, something about having your quiet time with God asking him, what are you saying to me today, Lord? And to begin to declare his word, what he's saying, begin to speak it out and declare it. There's something about that that has power. And as you speak it out, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when you speak out and declare his word, then life comes and things begin to happen because you're declaring his word, you are speaking that out. When you speak out words that are negative and words of fear and words, lies that the enemy's feeding you about other people or whatever, gossip or whatever, when you speak that out, that has a negative impact and the enemy will use that. Because he knows that not just life but death is in the power of the God. And so God wants you to speak out and declare what he is saying and the enemy wants you to speak out the lies and the rubbish. He wants you to speak out the negativity and the death that he wants to speak. See, God is speaking and he speaks through all sorts of amazing ways. You know, uh, in the, during the summer, uh, one of my cousins uh, contacted a girl called Lindsay and I'd kind of met Lindsay uh, back in the spring there and uh, last February I met her first of all and, and she, she's a, a wonderful girl she has a real gift of sketching, we had her up in Fermanagh on, on Saturday and uh, my cousin asked this girl to draw something that she felt God wanted to say to me I, I meant to bring this in, I'll bring it in next week so she sketch- made this sketch for me and the sketch of a like a rope bridge going over a deep ravine and the water on the way down underneath, and over the bridge, up in the rocks, the words were freedom. And that theme of going over, crossing over from where you are and stepping out into something new, that theme has been big in my heart all summer. And not only that, but we, as when we were organising the conference in Innskilling last week, uh, Daphne who's here and another friend called Glenda, they were organising the conference and they were given the same pictures by different people that God wanted to, to show us a bridge to go over ourselves and to help bring other people over into a new land called freedom. And, and I really believe that, that God is speaking to us about stepping out on his promises, stepping out on what he's saying. I'm just realised I'm bad on the way and I'm only in verse 1, so I need to hurry up. Here go. <laughs> Anyway, here we are. He's longing for us to respond. And I love the verse in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophecy. Now, prophecy in... in you know, the Old Testament way, and still today, sometimes God does give us a word about the future, but more often, it's just a word that we've heard from God that we pass on and speak out to other people that encourages them. The prophetic is meant to be just hearing and being a verse, taking a verse or whatever that the Holy Spirit has just laid upon your heart and taking it for your own life and speaking it out and prophesying it over yourself and maybe over somebody else and saying, Lord, is there anybody else that you want to, to, me to give this verse to or this thought to? And if you speak it out it's a blessing. And that girl, when she gave me that picture, it was another way of doing that. And that same girl last. February, whenever I was doing it, some of these girls who went down to Ross that week group, she did. She started the sketch, and there was a lady there that day. And when the sketch went up, she nearly fell off the of the chair because it was a, it was something that meant a lot to her. And God will speak through all kinds of things. And God God's spoken to her, and even over the weekend. The same lady was there at the weekend, and she was spoken to again in lots of different ways. Which we couldn't go into So God is a God who communicates through all kinds of ways, and He wants us to learn to hear Him, but also to respond to Him and to speak out what God said. The next C that we have is confidence in a God who has given His commitment. See, verse verses one and two says that He's spoken to us by the Fathers, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son Jesus. And Jesus is the one who is the heir of all things, and He's also made the worlds. And I want to say this to you today: If Jesus is the one who's the heir of all things, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we know that He is, and if He if He is the one who um, who has also made the worlds, and if He if He if He's holding everything together in this world. Can we not trust this one? Can we not trust? Can we not trust the Lord to hold and control? If He's controlling the worlds, can we not trust Him to control our lives and to give us confidence and to be able to have confidence? That He. I need to hurry up because there's some stuff more to get into that. Anyway, confidence and commitment. He has shown His commitment. Look down at. uh, Let's read on. Verse. He was a. uh, Blah blah blah. Verse. Verses 1, verse 3, it says that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his word of His power when he had, now my translation says by himself, purged our sins. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I just think that we need to take a moment with this verse and I want to tell you that not only does God communicate, but God has shown us and demonstrated to us his commitment to us. He has gone through, he has gone through with it. He has made his commitment. He set his face, the Bible says, as a flint to go to the cross. We'll never know the price that he paid. We'll never know how much it cost him to 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 go to the cross. But he is a a God who has shown and demonstrated perfect commitment. And listen, ladies, he has purged our sin and sat down. The work is completed. (coughs) He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He was committed to go to the cross. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. Hebrews Hebrews 12, verse 2. That's the proof of God's commitment to you. And I feel it's really important this morning that you understand this that, that, you know, we live in a world where lots of people find it difficult to commit. And, you know, it's lovely whenever we see a husband or other family members or see other friends and they're committed to each other. There's something beautiful about that, something that rejoices our hearts. But, human beings, we, 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 we feel, we all feel, we all do. And sometimes we mean to commit, but we, we let the person down. But listen, we have a God who will never let us down because he's committed to us and because he's able, he's, he's, he's God and He is able to take us through. And you need to know that not only will he com- He will communicate with you and speak to you about things, and he wants you to speak back to him and tell him all that's going on in your life, but you need to know that he is totally and absolutely committed to you. And he wants you to step out on that and have confidence in that. And and that not only is he committed to you through the work of the cross, but you need to know what he is like. That he came to this world and he was the exact representation of God. He radiated God. Remember he took his disciples up the mountain and he was transfigured. His glory just broke out. And, and they were they were absolutely amazed because they never forgot it. I mean, they've even spoken about it in the in the epistle, this little epistle of Peter. Never ever forgot that when they got a little moment's glimpse of the glory that just jumped out. And you need to know that God, God has, God loves you, and God has proved His love, and He is committed to you, and He wants to communicate with you, and He wants to take you further than you've been before, and He wants you to start to step up to having confidence in Him. Not only that, but verses 1 to 14, and we've read right through them, and I'm going to read just to remind you of a couple of verses. Verse 8, we already said he's greater than the angels, and it says in verse 8, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. I know our time going on folks we need to wind this up in a moment but i really want to say this not only is this a god who who communicates not only a god who has committed himself to you but this is a god who's crowned and on his throne you need to know that he sits on the throne victorious crowned victorious on the throne whenever i was a child we used to sing a song god is still on the throne and he will remember his own you remember that song I always loved that song because one of the comforts in my life has always been that God's still on the throne. And whenever things are out of my control, that he's on the throne. I can't, Listen, you and I can't control anything. We can't control even what the weather's going to be like. We can't control what tomorrow's going to be like or even what the next moment's going to be like. But he's on the throne and we can be confident in him and psalm 45 this is a direct quote these verses are a direct quote from psalm 45 and psalm 45 was a wedding song and these words were prophetic of the messiah and i love these words from psalm 45 because it talks about how uh, he has loved righteousness and the oil of gladness has been poured over him i want to say this to you real quick if you read psalm 45 have a time to read if you read psalm 45 it says that he came out of the ivory palaces now I want you to get a picture of this, God in heaven before Jesus came to the cross. Imagine, the, the pal- it doesn't say palace, palaces, plural. Yes. We need to know that we have a God who left everything, that Jesus left the, the beauty and the, the mansions of heaven, the palaces of heaven. He left it to come down, he used to sing a song, out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe. It was his love that made my saviour go. Listen, we know that. But you see, it tells us that he, in Psalm 45, a wedding song, that he came down and that it tells us that he lived a righteous life and that he was crowned with glory and honour and that it tells us that, um, that he was anointed with the oil of gladness. Now, the reason I want to, very quickly, and I'm really speeding up, you know, I, don't want to, I don't want to miss out on this before we finish. Do you know that because Jesus was perfect and lived a perfect life, although he was a man of sorrows, as 53 tells him, he knew sorrow that you and I will never know. He was also anointed with the oil of gladness. In other words, he was the happiest man who ever lived. Did you ever think of that? Why was Jesus a man of sorrows, but at the same time, the happiest man who ever lived? Why? Because he was righteous. He was perfect. And that's why God hates sin, because whenever we go our own way and listen to our own flesh and don't live in the spirit and don't do things God's way, we end up in pain, we end up suffering. When we choose to do things God's way and, do, and become the woman that, that God wants us to become, we become happier, we become joy. The joy, we begin to get the oil of, of gladness. The oil of joy is poured over us. And the more we walk in his will and walk in his ways and honour him with our lives, joy bursts forth. That's why the first three fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, and peace. And it's living according to his way and not our own way. When your flesh tells you, don't forgive that person. When your flesh tells you, don't give that away. You need that for yourself. When your flesh tells you, actually, it doesn't matter. That will just we better bit of wee dab in there. It doesn't matter. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to listen to your flesh or are you going to listen to your spirit? And when you listen to your flesh, you're going to keep losing and losing and come into more pain. When you listen to the Holy Spirit and begin to move in the spirit, then the joy starts bubbling up. And the joy of of the Lord is your strength. And God wants us to be strong, confident women, not on our own selves, but in him. God wants us, ladies, to cross over the bridge now, I was reminded with this wee story we're going to wind up. Years ago we decided we were going to go up to the rope bridge in, in, uh, up in County Antrim. Now I had been over that many a time whenever I was a child because my father was kind of, he loved that part of the world so we would have been over the rope bridge a lot but William had never been up there before and Jane was petrified, she had never gone over the rope bridge. So we get up to the Christian dome or Cushin we whatever, or up around that near that part of the world, and we got to the rope bridge and Jane was standing in a queue behind her and she was standing the wee legs were going and she was holding on and she was taking a wee step and she was going to take like forever to get across this rope bridge. But William, William, he got shot out in front of her and he just ran straight across the bridge and when he got to the other end, he just gave a great big bow. <laughs> He turned around everybody and he just bowed before everybody. And Jane was still at the beginning, and the wee knees were still going. And she, and boys, the day when she got to the other side, she says, to me, how am I going to get back? I says, You've got to get back the way you went across. <laughs> she said, Do the whole thing again to cross over. But you know what? William ran straight over because he didn't have the wit to know that, he, well, he was safe. He knew he was safe. He, no bother. Jane was, was, she was looking with her flesh, she was terrified. And of course, I walked across quite sedately. <laughs> but you say, "Listen, the enemy does not want you to cross the bridge into freedom. He doesn't want you to cross the bridge into the the the, the truth of what God says about you. That God says you're wonderful." I laughed because at the beginning, whenever Marion said about turn to each other and say, "You know, what do you say that you're you're precious and something else," I was going to say, "I'm just." turn around again and say, and you're good looking. (laughs) Why not let's have the whole package? Listen, God loves you. He created you to be you, nobody else. You don't have to be like anybody else. In fact, God doesn't want you to be like anybody else. And more than that, you can't be like anybody else. You're stuck with yourself and you're perfect in God's eyes because listen, when you trusted Jesus as your saviour the blood of Jesus cleansed you and you are perfect in his sight and he looks at you with such love and tenderness and he says come on, I've got a place for you to come to I want to talk to you about it I want you to talk to me I want you to tell me all your troubles I want to communicate with you that's the God of the communication the God who loves you and he says come on not only do I want to communicate with you but I I want you to know I'm committed to you and he wants you to commit yourself to him. He wants you to say no more, I'm not going to have any more of this stuff, maybe I will or won't I. No, he wants you to be committed to stepping out into all that he has for you and he wants you to go across that bridge and that means trusting him, even if it looks like everything's wrong. said, You know what Lord, I'm not looking on the natural, I'm looking at you, I'm focused on you and I'm going to cross the bridge. And you're going to take me into freedom, and you're going to take me into confidence to be that confident woman that you want me to be. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are God. Thank you, O oh God, that you sit on your throne, Lord Jesus. You sit on your throne, and I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who is still in control of everything that's spinning around this earth that you hold everything together in orbit, that you hold everything together in this world. And it might look like all hell is breaking loose, but we declare and we praise and thank you that you're on your throne and we can trust you and we can step out with confidence to be all you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing this song before we finish. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect claim, a great high priest whose name is love, who ever then and please for me. We're going to continue with, with uh, Hebrews. I want you all to stand to your feet. I want you to sing this out. Give it, give it all you've got. And let's sing it out. And uh, let's pray it God.